0: Welcome to the Abbot Circle podcast. I'm Father Ambrose Christ, and I'm the Novice Master here at St. Michael's Abbey. We hope that you enjoy the following recording. To learn more about the Norbertines, visit theabbotcircle.com. God bless you. Be holy yourselves in every aspect of your conduct, for it is written Be holy because I am holy. There is no one who has given up who will not receive a hundred times more in this present age with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. The words of the epistle lesson from St. Peter and from the gospel lesson from St. Mark, his faithful disciple. One could scarcely imagine readings more apt to characterize the life of a religious and a priest, such as Father Leo John Victor Celano, who passed to his eternal reward in the presence of God this very morning, not long ago. the life of perfection, which means the perfection of love, and the renunciation of one's ordinary, proper life for the sake of the gospel. These characterize the life of religious priests, a canon regular, It is often said, or at least I have often said it, that today's gospel is a summary of the history of the church. Men and women giving up house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, lands for the sake of the Lord and his gospel, and receiving, therefore, as he himself said, a hundred times more now in this present age, a hundred times more in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. That's the history of the church. People giving up everything to follow Christ and growing rich thereby even in this present age and thus guaranteeing that most characteristic thing in the church's history, her persecution by those who envy that hundredfold that the apostles have received. The innumerable confiscations of monasteries throughout Europe and even in Latin America is proof of that. If you have a whole lot of stuff, then those who are already rich will want to take also that from you, and they'll try. Even here, someday, maybe not soon, but eventually they will try. I used to tell people when they'd ask, why are we building such a big abbey and such uh, a solid one? I said, well, we need to last at least 600 years so we could be thrown out and come back at least three times as our mother abbey. So that's the history of the church, the logic of Christ's promises. Notice he doesn't despise human relationships. No, he gives them a hundredfold, and he doesn't despise material property but he wants it to be held in common. But just let's set aside church history for a moment and consider the meaning of these readings as they apply to the individual life of each one of us, and in particular, of a consecrated religious priest. Today's gospel continues the narrative from yesterday's, when the rich young man comes to our Lord and says, Good Master, what must I do to gain eternal life? Now you'll notice a detail in that reading from yesterday. It said that our Lord looked on him with love. This is a detail which is only in Mark's Gospel. And a wise commentator once pointed out that Mark was relaying the impressions of St. Peter in his gospel. And St. Peter, as he shows very quickly in the same context, is rather concerned about the Lord's opinion of him and what there will be in it for him. And so he notices this look of love. It stirs up in him a certain envy, you might say. Envy is a passion, of vice... That is never admirable. It's something you can't put to good use because it means being sad at the good possessed by another. If Peter were already a saint, he would say to himself, Well, thanks be to God, Jesus loves him more than me, but Jesus loves me too. And he promises me a hundredfold if I give my little bit, and he promises also another man with more a hundredfold if he gives his. But in any case, I'm content with the love of the Lord. I don't envy anybody. The book of wisdom says it is through the envy of the devil that sin entered the world. That's a pretty big piece and a very profound explanation. We are envied. So when you're tempted, realize there's someone who envies you and wants to snatch from you the good that God has given you. And maybe you'll fight back a little more, as you would with your possessions or reputation, or other such things. But there's also jealousy. Now, we often confuse these two qualities. We'll often say jealous, at least in common spoken American English, we'll say jealous when we really mean envious. To be jealous is not to be sad at the good possessed by another, because one doesn't have it. A very ignoble attitude one we we should avoid at all costs because it's the quintessential devilish vice envy we're told that in the wisdom of solomon jealousy is rather a zeal a zealous love to protect and maintain some good thing we already have zeal can be good or bad In Exodus, we read of the Lord himself. He says, I, the Lord, am a jealous God. He's not going to give up the ones he loves. He's not going to allow them to be pulled from his grasp so easily. So he shows his jealousy in ways which might seem to those whom he loves as not very nice. Jealous people often can seem very angry when, in point of fact, they are madly in love. So here's this rich young man. He has no reason to envy anyone. He certainly doesn't envy this uh, motley crew of mostly motley crew, maybe not Matthew, but in any case, mostly motley crew of apostles. He's rich, he's virtuous, he has it all, he loves it all. He's jealous of the good things he has, which the Lord has given him, even of his virtue according to his own estimation. But he won't give it up, what he loves, for something which is an even greater object of love, to follow Christ and to inherit his kingdom. He's jealous of his possessions, and so he goes away sad. But if you remember that it was our Lord who looked on him with love, we're given great hope for this poor rich young man. There are a few commentaries that give a little hope for him. We don't know his uh, ultimate outcome, but let's just say someone on whom our Lord looked with love, or if you follow the Greek, which is followed by Origen's commentary, a Greek text lost to us in manuscripts, it says our Lord, not that our Lord looking on him loved him, but rather our Lord looking on him kissed him. That's what Origen's Greek says. So he was shown special favor It's hard to believe that such a one would be lost. Our Lord is a jealous lover also, and he was jealous of the rich young man. He didn't want to lose him. That's what it meant to look on him with love. He was determined to save him, and so he did not speak in half terms or half measures when he told him what he would have to do in order to gain eternal life and be perfect. He was honest with him. A jealous love is honest because of love, not because of irritation or having a certain opinionated temperament, but rather because one does not want one whom one loves to be deprived of the better good which one loves oneself. Yes, the Lord is a jealous lover and he is in every one of our regards. If you want to think of a little bit of a, 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 a tension or a struggle between God and the devil, think of it this way. The little devil on your left shoulder is filled with envy, is irritated, annoyed, deeply offended that you have been given gifts which are reserved or should be reserved only for angels, and that your leader, Christ the Lord, has become higher than the angels, as well as his mother, this is just unbearable. And so it's through envy that the devil tempts us, not because he takes a lubricious delight in the naughty things we do. He doesn't care. He just wants to draw us away from the good that we possess. He probably couldn't even be able to express it as the love that we possess, but just something that we don't deserve, and we certainly don't, and he doesn't want us to have. But our Lord, being rather a jealous lover, on the other shoulder sends his angel encouraging us, strengthening us, teaching us, warning us, sometimes punishing us, sometimes rewarding us, that we will lay hold of and keep hold of that love which moved us to leave things for Christ and to receive the promise hundredfold. Such is the life of each one of us, but in particular way the life of a religious who has taken vows and lives in common. The devil is always busy, but oh, so subtly. And God is always generous to the very end. How do we know this? To the very end. You may have read meditations where it says, well, you get to X number of mortal sins, and then after that, God doesn't give you any more grace. You might have heard that. Well, you know, time runs out, but that's the nature of time. Uh, don't necessarily blame God for that, unless you want to blame him for created a temporal world. It's not like that. In the church's prayers for the dying, there is a phrase, May the happy and festive glance of Christ Jesus fall on you as you go forth. Laetus et festivus aspectus. Such a happy and festive glance he gave to the rich young man. Such a one he has given and is giving to Father Leo as he undergoes that necessary purification which a jealous God insists upon so that everything which is his, remains his, and perfectly, for all eternity. Let us pray for the repose of his soul, his blessed priestly soul, and in so doing, remind ourselves that the Lord looks on us with love and wants to do the same thing for us and will. May his happy, joyful, and festive face be seen by us in the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abbott Circle Podcast. If you enjoyed listening or were spiritually nourished, please leave a review to help our podcast grow. Thanks again. God bless you.